can understand the decision, and and I'm not saying it's a, it's a wrong decision, but I did not when 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 I did not like the way we checked it uh, or the referee checked it because for me he checked only the 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 image, and the image showed well the clear contact, and uh, then it was a clear decision. We we saw the on the bench of course also on our iPad the whole movement, and then it, you saw that it was a deflection. It was short distance, it's a deflection, comes off the hip to his arm. The arm is not super unnatural arm, body po uh, arm position. So I heard already referees explaining that this is then not a punishable uh, action. Maybe if I, I would have wished for uh, a longer consideration, a longer thought and a, and a better view on the whole situation. Maybe he would have taken the same. I think it, it stays a gray situation and he could have maybe taken the same uh, decision. And, and we have to live with it, I think, and I can live with it, that some decisions stay in the, in the responsibility for the referee in the moment. It was today against us, and uh, uh, we, we did the very best of it because it was very, very tough. Okay, last one on today's game before we do a Monday's Nizar Kinsella. Hi, Thomas. Um, Andreas Christensen was given the man of the match. Probably could have been given to anyone, really, but... Um... Just how important is he in your future plans? Because there's there's some noises that he's going to sign a new contract, and I just about Pulisic as well. Um, is it with his COVID situation? Can you explain that? His COVID situation, Pulisic. Ah, Pulisic. Um, uh, Christian is released today, so this is pretty much the the explanation. He's released from today and will go to national team. And uh, okay, if 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 he can provide the the negative tests, of course, but. Today is the day where this can happen, uh, and then he will go to national team and uh, hopefully play and get some minutes back in his legs. Uh, and Andreas is uh, very, very strong for us since day one. He uh, plays in the central position and, and finished the game in the right position because we, 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 we brought Thiago and decided to stay in a back five. Um, very strong. He, he is super talented. He, he, he loves Chelsea. He's a Chelsea boy from the academy. Um, this is, has a huge impact. Uh, in the moment, I think he, he feels the trust. He feels he knows what to do. He, he can absolutely help. He's, he's a top, top defender, top guy. And he, I have the feeling he's growing every week in, in confidence and personality and in uh, self-confidence, which is, which is good. Um, and and uh, yeah, it's doing fantastic. Nice and heady. All righty. Hello, Chelsea friends and Paul. Watch the crackling. <laughs> I hear that crackling from fucking Utah. Start it over. I'm going to start it over. You too, brother. Watch that crackling. I want this shit to sound good from now on. All right, we're starting five. Hello, Chelsea friends. Welcome to another edition of the London is Calling podcast. I am your fearless leader, the boogeyman of Chelsea Twitter, Carlito Esposito, a.k.a. Podcast Jesus. And before I introduce my lovely co-host as well as my esteemed guest, I want to talk about one thing, and that is new media and what it means for advertising and websites and the dissemination of information. So 
back in the day when it was television, radio, and print, those are the three main mediums for content, for you know, entertainment, for sports, for what have you. And, and you know, with TV, there was go. three major TV stations with news. Same thing that came on to those TV stations. You had sports, you had news, you had information, but you really only got it from a couple different sources. Same thing with print. You either had your local paper or you had the state paper. And then with radio, you had a couple of different radio stations or you had the national radio station. But that is essentially where you got your information, your box scores, your news about international relations and affairs and wars and what have you. And with that, because there wasn't a lot of places to digest information, those places were allowed to charge a lot of money for advertisers to advertise on their mediums. Okay, if there's not a lot of choices for a content provider and you have a ton of people that want to be on your content and want to sponsor your shit, you could charge whatever you want. And, you know, back in the day, you'd have these astronomical TV ratings for top shows on places like CBS, ABC, where now if you have if you take the top show on CBS Okay, which is probably the top show in the world on television. If those, if you took those ratings and you brought them back in a time machine to 1985, that show would be canceled. So that's what I'm talking about when I say that the stratification of new media means that there are way too many media outlets and there's not enough advertisers. So in order for you to get people to go to your website or digest your content, subscribe to your streaming or what have you, you have to catch their attention and you have to keep their attention. How do you do that? With headlines that are deceiving. With content that is not entirely sussed out. And with things that are not vetted and oftentimes not true. Now, the old idiom, fake news, fake news, you hear it every day. But really, if, you're an, if you present an honest, boring headline, people will simply not endorse your content. And therefore, your advertisers, if you have any won't come back. And that is the reality of the situation with new media, whether it's Twitter, whether it's a website, a blog, a podcast, a streaming service, what have you. Those people have to capture the attention of people that no longer have attention spans. And when you go to their websites, when you inhale their content, more oftentimes the information that they're trying to sell you is bullshit. And that's unfortunate, but that is because there is now more content providers than there are advertisers. And in order for you to even have any sustenance, to be sustainable at all, you have to have sponsors, you have to have advertisers, and that means people have to come to your fucking website. So where are we going with this? Is this going to transfer news? This is about transfer news. All right. Okay, this is about people peddling misinformation online saying yeah. that they know when they do not. People speaking about Arsenal just to get clicks. Because it's the easiest speaking about Arsenal just to get clicks. To people, speaking people speaking negatively about clubs because people would rather listen to negativity than positivity. It is simply inherent within our psyche that we like hearing people mad because it makes us happy. Okay, so all of this content, which is now diluted, which is now divorced of any real credibility vetting or multi-sourcing it is simply because 
if they actually did real journalism, they wouldn't exist in three months. And that is the problem. So now my advice to everybody is to be very careful about who you listen to and where you get your news from. Because more than ever, journalism is not just in danger, it's practically dead. Paul, how are you today? Carlito, we got a win and a draw since the last pod. Mm-hmm. Well underway. I agree. I think things are really looking up. And uh, I'm very, very high on this team for obvious reasons, but other reasons that we'll get into that are maybe not so obvious. And we have our favorite guest on. He is Mr. Arsenal, the brother man himself, the man who only drinks Red Stripe, hailing from the beautiful country of St. Vincent. It's Shane, the brother man. How are you doing today, Shane? You know, I'm doing well, and I just needed to know that I've graduated to Vino, so... I'm yeah. off the red stripe, and I, I strictly drink vino now. Oh, you're just drinking wine? Yeah, 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 yeah. Vino. Strictly vino. Oh, red, oh, and white. you're calling it vino. Well, that, I mean, that is about as posh and unacceptable as it gets. You're fucking old, dude. Uh, 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 believe me, believe me. And, you know, um, I, I like to call it mature, which is why everything that's going on with Arsenal right now is not triggering me because, you know, I'm such in a zen place that can't can't really affect me right now. Uh-huh. Yeah. You like yep. those dudes in the movie Fight Club that go to all those self-help groups just to, you know, self-meditate and self-reflect, and then one thing will set them off and completely fuck their uh, <laughs> mental high. So that's uh, kind of where you're at. I'm sure it's just, it's just a fragile mental state, and I understand. Um, but w- I really just want to get into a couple things mm-hmm. about our team, what's been going on with the past month. Um and really, I mean, it's just such an interesting team. Both teams really are interesting. We're not just going to only talk about Chelsea. We're going to talk about Arsenal as well. But I really just want to get into the first thing, and that is concerns about Azpilicueta. So, Paul, I'm going to start with you because when I watched the Arsenal game and then when I also watched the Liverpool game, I think it was more bad attacking than good defending. And I think Azpilicueta has gotten kind of lucky in the past couple months, you know, you got uh, Bukaki Saka or Smith Rowe taking bad touches when they have him dead to rights one on one, and they should both players should have smoked him. I feel like he's actually worse than he's showing, and that's simply down to happenstance and good luck. Hmm. It's, I mean, we've been having the same conversation about Aspilicueta for what a year and a half now. He's he's lost a half a step. He's still very serviceable. He's not going to be the long-term guy, obviously. He's aging. Mm-hmm. So that's why we were after Jules Koundé, player that we both agree is probably a top 10 center back currently. Yeah. And he would slot right in there, no problem. Sevilla being the snaky bastards they are they weren't giving him up easily so you know they forced their hand and now yes Aspilicueta is not Jules Koundé but he's still he's not let's put it this way he's not an Arsenal center back (laughs) so you know all in all I'll take it 
I don't think he's going to be the long, like the season long starter in that position. I think that I would be surprised. Like Mm -hmm. we saw last year during Champions League and in in the bigger games, Tuchel would actually switch Aspilicueta to the wing back and put Reese James as the part of the back three. Yeah, nobody's nobody's beating Reese James, so. I think that is just a preview of probably I wouldn't be surprised if we kept seeing that in uh, as the season wears on. The only way Reese James is going to get beat is if Pepe Megs as Piliqueta on a random ball and Reese James has to foul Bukaki in the box. Yeah, um, but, but, um, why didn't Chelsea just pay the release clause for him? Okay, I was I was actually gonna I was actually gonna ask you about this, and it's a great transition because it was gonna be part of my question for you, Shane. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and anybody that knows anything about the law, a verbal agreement between two parties is actually legally binding. And if, but here's the here's the caveat, is that if one party breaks a verbal agreement, mm-hmm. the other party can sue that person, but mm-hmm. you have to provide evidence in court and evidence of a verbal agreement can oftentimes be difficult to come across. So yes, you can legally bind someone to a verbal agreement and they cannot back out of it, but you have to provide adequate evidence to prove under a reasonable doubt or under no reasonable doubt whatsoever, however language you want to use that the person actually did break the verbal contract. But there was a contingency, and the contingency was Kurt Zuma, who wanted to stay in London. And because Kurt Zuma didn't want to go to Sevilla, that 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 verbal agreement was no longer binding. Right. So the idea was that I think it was August 26 was the deadline for it to be 50 million euros. And, and, and on Zuma. August 25th, the agent of Jules Koundé mm-hmm. called up the video department at Chelsea that does all of their video PR, other announcements. And the, the main guy there at Chelsea was told to put a compilation video together for Jules Koundé, uh, you know, thanking Sevilla and bringing him to Chelsea, you know, with all the razzmatazz that every millennial now demands as a fan. Uh, so, yeah, no, the deal was actually agreed upon at 50 million euros before the deadline and the Sevilla deadline was after August 25th or 26th or whatever, the, the, the money would then become the release clause. clause. But that, so they are, there actually was was an agreement, but that was with Kurt Zuma as part of the deal. No, no, it was not. Okay. No. Okay. The deal was 50 million. The deadline in the, the agreement was before the deadline. That is why the Chelsea PR guy was told to make a video. So, by his so fucking Ch- agent. So Chelsea just didn't want to pay? No, Chelsea said they would pay. Sevilla uh-huh. saw that we had completed the Kurt Zuma deal with West Ham and said, Oh, they're flush with cash. We can we can take advantage of this. Uh, but so they backed but- out of the verbal agreement and they said, No, we're gonna move the goalposts. Fuck you. More money. They said they said we want sixty five instead of fifty. Yeah. Or and they said now yeah now you have to pay the release clause. But again, if if a club is pulling this, and you know they know they can pull it, then they purposely made sure that a verbal agreement 
that they had wasn't going to be binding in court, I'm sure. Yeah, but I, I, I don't believe it. And here's why I don't believe it, right? Um, Sevilla um, director, what's his name? Moki? Yeah. Um, that guy is no clown, right? They, they did that swap deal with Tottenham. Where they sold Brian Gill to Tottenham for twenty five million plus Eric Lamella coming the opposite way, all right? On a free, on a free. So basically, they sold a player for twenty five and replaced them for free, all right? Then they spent about thirty eight, thirty nine million dollars and got Rafa Mia, Gonzalo Montel, Thomas Delaney, Ludwig, Ascostino, and Marco. Dimitrovic, right? They still have Jules Conte or Kunde, whatever they call him. They have Suso. They have Rakitic. They have Fernando. They have Ocampos. So that's a really good squad they have there. And they still got, what's the guy that played for Sevilla? Navas. They got Jesus Navas. So I don't think Sevilla was ever going to sell Kunde this year. Well, I think we, well I, they, I, would, they wouldn't I, have a choice if we had paid the release Paid the release clause, okay. correct. But, but I, the idea I, was that we were going to pay it under by a certain date, and they gave us a deadline. We said we'd do it right. before the deadline, and they backed out. Well, yeah. that, that and I, I don't think uh, the whole Zuma deal and all hmm. the complications that held that up, I think that kind of – Threw a monkey wrench. Up, yeah, messed up okay. the due date okay. for Kunde. Okay. okay. Well, yeah, 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 the, yeah. End of the end of the day, here's the reality of the situation. Uh-huh. This it's not just about this deal, it's about future deals. It's about uh how you look, how you deal with things like this, and precedents that are either set or not set for future deals with other clubs. Chelsea but, was like, We are not bending over on this. We are not gonna get jerked around by a club that is significantly smaller than us. And so true. that is why Chelsea said you backed out. You change the parameters of the deal. Fuck you. We will buy him at our price at a later date, whether that is January or next June. But let's be honest. Um, bringing him in this year was for reinforcement and to get him acclimatized. Yep. Chelsea, yes. Though, the, the, way, the way Chelsea is playing and the squad debt and the unity and, and, and how Tuchel keeps tinkering, you can't beat Chelsea that easily. And... And I heard Carl's concerns about Aspilicueta, right? Which is which and, is the main reason. This is the, let's be very clear, Shane. This is the reason yeah. why I want Kunde. Right, but 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 let's be honest. As as Paul eloquently highlighted, Aspilicueta has proven time and time again he can reinvent himself. Every time you count him out, he can reinvent himself. Even though he's lost a step, he defends with his brain and not his body anymore. No, this season he's probably going to play maximum twenty twenty five games. Probably, and Reese James red card. You got um, you, you got my favorite man, the Chabola. Yeah, who came in. You got you still got um the experience of Thiago Silva. We got you have, you have Rudiger, AC. You AC have uh, Christensen. Yeah. So so you have more than cover there. Yeah. Um. In in addition to that, they can't get past your midfield. So when you can't get past the midfield, and you have a goalkeeper that the defense trusts. You're not going to concede a lot of goals. And some something that I don't think a lot of people pay attention to when watching Chelsea, right? And 
if you've ever coached, you would understand language is very important. Yes. And some coaches say defense, some coaches say press, some coaches just say win the ball back. And if you watch when Chelsea play, as soon as they lose the ball, three men collapse on whoever has the ball and the team converges. They yeah. make you small and make you either go long or win the ball back. And when a team defends from the front, they're going to be hard to beat. So your defenders are not going to be doing a lot of one-on-one defending. And when you have fullbacks with the pace of Reese James and Ben Chilwell, you're going to have enough cover. And Mendy isn't free to come off his line. So getting Kunde would have been great for Chelsea, but I, I, I don't think it sets them back. And Aspilicueta is going to be fine. He's not going to play a lot of games. He's there for help the locker room, keep the locker room together, make sure the younger guys coming through are learning things the right way, and just his overall leadership. And he will play in the big games, and as Paul highlighted, he'll put a wing back where there'll be cover behind him, or depending on who they're playing, they might, they might rotate, or he might play that inverted right-back role that would give James a bit more freedom. So yeah. players like Aspilicueta give Chelsea a lot of flexibility, and he'll be fine. Well, yeah, I'm not. I'm what, not talking about greed or having an embarrassment of riches or anything. I'm just talking about having two starters for every starting position, which is right. 22 players. Right. But uh, and we that is we that's how you win four trophies in a year. Yeah, yep. and and we didn't give in to Sevilla no. for precisely this exactly. reason because exactly. technically and, we can make it. Yep, and, and added to that, you could play the Reese James at the right center back. And play Colin Hunts Odoi at the right wing back. Yes, that's why we didn't. That's why we didn't yeah. allow him to go on loan to Dortmund. Yep. Yep. Um, so and Shane, just so you know, so what you're talking about the the hunting in packs, uh, mm-hmm. packs of three on a press. Mm-hmm. So Guardiola was doing that in his first season at Barcelona. Right. That's when it really came into the foyer of oh wow, this is a new way to do it. This is a new way to press. Even though he learned it from. Cruyff but right. yeah this it was really popularized by Guardiola but, when he was at Barcelona well, is Carl that you hunted you hunt in threes when you lose the ball Carlo Angelotti was doing that at AC Milan too yeah oh yeah oh yeah, yeah. This, which is, is which is around the same time that uh Cruyff was retiring but correct, it's correct. a yeah I mean they, but this was something that was uh thought about late 90s early 2000s and Ancelotti was there mm-hmm. in the 2000s with no. AC Milan no 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 it was before that you ever heard of Saki yeah so Saki was the first one who did that when he when he coached in Italy Saki coached Angelotti when Angelotti was a player ah nice little yep. tidbit yep. I'm saying yep. popularized popularized yeah, yeah, yeah. mainstream yeah. that's when it got mainstream of course of course but what I'm saying is like this is when you had sports writers and pundits start talking about hunting in threes for press. Yep. Uh, and, you know, as soon as you lose the ball, it's uh, it's five seconds. That five seconds that you'd hear it from Pep Guardiola it's all the time. Five seconds, five seconds, five seconds. Um, and so that's, yeah. It, and that's, you know, that's when they eventually won the sextuple and all that jazz. And everybody's like, oh, why did Pep Guardiola do that? And that's what books were written about, his seasons. Uh, but, yeah, it was the five seconds or less. Uh, hunting threes press as soon as you lose the ball. So it's a really cool thing, but the problem is that if if you if those three get broken out of position by a really good team that can pass around them, that's a risk. So you, mm-hmm. you gotta you gotta pick your battles. Um, yeah. But again, it's not really a three press because when those three press, there's another three, three and four. The whole yeah. team oh, is of course, Shane. Of course, you're not gonna so. have the the other two right. lines of the team sitting back. So no, no, so, no, 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 no. 
So if anyone, can pass, if anyone can pass through that, they, sh- they shouldn't be playing. Right. It should be gone. No. What I'm saying is that three, the closest three go and they press. Of course, the rest of the team goes with it. That's why you have nine dimensions on the field and you always want to move as a unit between those nine dimensions. All right. Anyways, moving on. Uh, all right. So Zuma out. We knew that would happen. That's good. Not much top, to top. say about that. No, 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 no. Top player, great defender. I'm actually, I'm actually, I'm actually, I'm actually very happy for Kurt Zuma. No, no, and I'm going to tell you why. I'm going to tell you why. Champions League winner Kurt Zuma. Oh, my God. I would, knew I would not be able to get out of this topic and, without a fucking quip from Shane. And I'm, I, No, no, but on a serious note, Kurt Zuma is a defender who likes to defend, right? Yes, he does. A lot of teams are playing this pass on the back, which is not his, his strong suit. He can't pass no. on the back. But going to a team like West Ham, he's going to be able to defend and get some hard tackles in, win some headers. So I'm actually happy for Zuma. He's going to be able to defend. He's going to be in the Premier League. West Ham is competitive. And he gets to stay in London. So shout out to Champions League winner, Kurt Zuma. I think, Paul, you watch a lot of West Ham, right? Champions of England, Kurt Zuma. Uh, Uh, Yeah, I I watch me some uh, some, uh, Moyes. Yeah, they're they're actually pretty interesting, and him, you know, with the way they play, I mean, I actually think that they're going to be a really difficult team to play against week in and week out. Listen, yep. that that's a good team, and you're adding a big athletic dude to the heart of that defense. Yeah, he, he's going to score some headers on corner kicks. That's that's a good move for them. Yeah. Yep. All right, so I just have a couple more quick topics. Ampadu loaned out. Top player, top player. Yeah, uh, yeah, he's good. He's good. He's just not ready. Uh, same type of guy, Tino, uh, Faustino, and Jorin. Uh, also loaned out with option to buy. We will increase the buyback clause, of course, or insert the buyback clause, of course. Um, a couple more things before we get to Saul. Um, Keep your eye on Tino. I like that. Yeah, he's good. He's good. I want to ask you this, Paul. Chelsea's ability to dominate the net spend argument. Now, there was a... There was a graph that came out today that didn't include any of the money that we acquired from our loans. So it said that our net spend was three mil uh, in the green. And that's actually incorrect. It's 32 million pounds profit. So they did not, those gra- that graph was misleading because it did not include the money that we got from loan fees. Okay. So, so you're saying total with the loans loan fees included were 32 we made uh, 32 million so yes with the acquisition of i believe what the third or fourth most expensive player ever our most expensive player the second most expensive player to come to england ever as well as you know so alone and third third string goalkeeper yeah we made money but that's just that's because chelsea acquires young players exactly Exactly. it's it's crazy I mean, they, they stockpile them like hoarders stockpile old newspapers. It's like the way we just, we either build talent or we buy really young talent. We cultivate it and then we either promote it occasionally to the first team, loan it out, uh, you know, continuously or sell it. But we do it because we have so many goddamn players at this club and we are really good at scouting which ones are going to get to the U18 team. Which one should we buy to be part of the U18 and then U23 team? And then after that, we're going to make money regardless. And those that were not good enough to make it to U18 and U23, 
they're not going to be at the fucking club. Right. So it's a but, very smart way to evaluate talent and then exploit it financially. The other important thing is to when you're at Chelsea, you got to sign your contract before you go on loan. 100%. So, 100%. So Chelsea's very good at preserving their players' value. Yeah, so Shane, so that would either mean that we continue to recoup loan fees or we we get somebody to buy it. Yeah, and 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 the reason why Chelsea can sell expensive is cuz Chelsea win things. Yes. When you when you win things, you can demand. Yeah, it's it's success by association even exactly. if those, the player was not exactly. um like directly involved in the trophying, he was still part, of, part the of the club that came Correct. with the trophying. A part, right. a part of the philosophy, part yeah. of the regiment. So, exactly, exactly. Yeah, I mean, on every single one of our loan deals, the guys had to extend by a year or two. And on every single sale, uh, we inserted clauses that said we can either get first right of refusal or a buyback clause. Or if you eventually sell a player that we don't want to buy back, we get a percentage of your profit. Correct. Sell That's just clause. all smart business, Paul. What do you yep. think? Yeah, no, I mean, we see a club like Dortmund who have the young talent everybody wants and they are continuously, you know, selling and making money and just it's a, a wheel, the wheel keeps going round and round. But Chelsea's business model is is unique. And I think as far as I know, we're the only ones out there doing it. So I think we're really uh, – reinventing the business of of football and youth football too yeah yeah, yeah. Well, actually that's... arsenal and chelsea both have won a lot of youth trophies and 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 that's another important point because when you when you win those youth trophies too those players are called up for england u21 france u21 yeah. so yeah. so 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 their profile is better and you know part of getting transfers is your country has to be ranked at a certain level so that adds a two three million to the evaluation yeah yeah, I mean, it's just like uh, just natural prestige that comes with winning the U18s or winning the FA Cup. Exactly. Um, yeah, or winning, you know, the Youth World Cup. I remember I was sitting uh, on couch of uh, my best friend in high school, Angel Enriquez. He's from Barlow, Argentina. And we were both about 17 years old. Uh, you know, I think we were coming home from a, a high school game. And we watched the Club World Cup where Messi was in the final. Right. And Argentina, and I think they ended up winning two to one. Uh, right. I think that it was either Lavezzi or Di Maria that scored the other goal. But yeah, I mean, all of a sudden, everybody knew who Leo Messi was. And I had never heard of him before that day. And yeah. then after that day, there wasn't a day that went by that I didn't hear from him again. <laughs> because he's, you know, he, he is he is a continent of influence. So it's, uh, yeah. So those types of things. Once you win them, they travel with you. Correct. Um, and then last one, and then we'll get into more general EPL things, and then we'll get into Arsenal. But Saul on loan for $5 million plus an option to buy 35 extra million euros, so a total aggregate spend by us of 40 over two years if we choose to do so, and I believe we will. Um, so this guy was valued at 115, I believe, million euros two years ago. And we were linked with him, but we didn't want to buy him at that price. And then Manchester United, over the next two years, was flirting with Atletico Madrid to buy this guy mm-hmm. at an inflated price, which at the time was really high, but he was really high as a talent. 
And then over the next two years, Simeone's team became increasingly more defensive and Saul's level dropped. I'm sure for a multitude of different reasons, including losing outside backs, injuries, and just a dip in form and confidence where he was eventually moved out of position and his starts as defensive mid or as an eight became less and less. And yeah, his profile and his standing within the international community simply dropped. And we got him for really cheap. And I think we're going to resurrect his career just like we did with Ben Chilwell and Mateo Kovacic. What do you think, Paul? It's astounding to, to see a player that was once regarded so highly. Any team in the world would have taken him. And now he's going out on a five mil loan. Like, you just don't see that. Yeah. And literally no team in the world could afford him two years ago. He was so highly rated. I mean, that... There's a lot, there's a lot of other complicating things that come along with him. His, his contract for one, it's like it's nine crazy, year contract. Yeah. It's like an insane contract. He's getting paid a, a lot in wages, but I mean, you get him for little to, I mean, basically no risk. You're paying five mil for a loan. If the guy we bring him in as a fourth midfielder, because between Conte and Kova, somebody's always injured. Yeah. So he, he he provides some cover there, and and you give him a fresh start on the best team in the world at the moment. See what happens. <laughs> I, I mean, uh, we'll see if, if he's worth thirty five more. Oh, I'm he sure is. He'll be here, but he, yeah, he he, he hasn't is. played much center mid, so. Mm-hmm. We'll see. He is still young, though. He's twenty. He's twenty-six. Yeah, still twenty-six. Yeah. Well, he's I, actually I, the youngest of the four midfielders. I think. I, I think Atletico just said, you know what? You've been a good servant. You did well for us when you're a class player. We let you go to Chelsea. Enjoy. Mm-hmm. Because this dip in form and all that stuff. Like when you watch them play, and the things he does on the ball. Because there's no one for him to pass the ball to most times besides um, Joe Felix. And he would make these amazing runs and put these diagonal balls and then win the ball back all within a space of like two minutes. Yeah. I mean, he's going to make Chelsea midfield a lot better. And he's going to give Tuchel the flexibility to play that diamond formation. Yeah. That's a good point. I hadn't thought of that. Yeah, because he could play that base with with Giorgino and put Mm -hmm. Kante and Saul either side. And they're gonna run all day, so it, it it gives Chelsea a level of flexibility that's gonna be scary for Premier League teams because they could do a lot with them with their midfield combination. Yeah, he had he had been an Atletico senior team since God, I think 2011, and before that he was yeah, with the B team. Yeah, yeah exactly. but it's interesting. There was a you know Spain's been through so many coaches, but one coach had said that he could play both Atletico style and Barcelona style. Yep, and it's true. Um, I know that that's kind of a primitive thing, but everybody knows what I'm talking about when I say that. Uh, you know, one is behind the ball and the other is Tiki Taka, and he could do both. He's six feet tall. He's very athletic. He's left-footed. Uh, he's extremely aggressive. He's a he's not like a Conte ball winner, but he is a ball winner. Right. Um, but then he can also play the beautiful side of the game. He's got really long range. He can hit a ball. He's very smart. He's tactically aware. He's astute. So he's, he's really just a well-rounded player that has – Falling on a little bit of shortened confidence, man. 
And that shit happens all the time. But if you have a world-class team, if you have a really world-class manager and you're just surrounded by really good players, which we just have, I'm not tooting my own horn. This is a reality situation. When you're around those players, your, your level is elevated. And when you're encouraged to play your game instead of someone else's game, that's not yours. Uh, then you will naturally raise your level back to where it used to be and maybe even transcend what you thought was possible three years ago if, you know, he plays well and we decide to buy him and keep him, which I guarantee you we're going to do. Um, so this is all good. This is a really good business. And then Lukaku, I'll just say this. I was flat out wrong. <laughs> and, and Shane, look, I didn't know that he improved that much. Yeah, yeah. I didn't know. And I'm not, I don't want to talk about this very much because I've already, I said it in the last podcast, uh-huh. but I didn't realize how much he has improved under Antonio Conte. Lukaku has lost maybe 20 pounds, which yeah. it's, it, he was always like fit. He was but, never a bad player though. No, no, no. He was never a bad player and he was never fat or anything like that. But okay. he is so lean now, but still yeah. very muscular, very strong, very fast. Uh, his touch is much better. His awareness is much better. His hold up play is drastically better. And he just he 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 is a very good link guy, and obviously he's hungry. He wants to score goals, and this is his dream move. He wants to be our drug boat, and I'm fine with it because he's really, 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 really good. Holy yeah. shit, worth every but, penny. Carl, you said um Saul <laughs> um is not as good as Kante. No one can win the ball as Angolo Kante. No, no, no. It's Kante, no, but Kante. whenever you say ball win, everybody's like Angolo Kante. It's like, well, that's not a fair comparison. I mean, you should say you could say Claude Makélélé too. <laughs> also a really good player. Yeah, yeah. Um, the, all right. Just so, oh, go ahead, Paul. To, just the fact that you have to go back to Makalele, that tells you. No, but oh, uh, yeah. the thing about Lukaku, mm-hmm. we have a lot of uh, thanks to our frenemy, Antonio Conte, for turning him into the hold-up player he is. But I but, think... Uh, go ahead. But do, Here's the thing. Right? I, I, I think Conte... Should be given the credit for putting an arm around him and telling him realize yeah. the full potential because he sh- he's shown flashes in the past. He did score double figures goal for Manchester United and Everton. And Everton, no, and, no, no. and 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 he's always been good coming in from the right. Yeah, but I think I think in Italy maybe because the pace in Italy was slower, it gave him a chance to actually refine his technique. Mm-hmm. Because well, because what, when I look at his hold up play, right, he. Yep. He's receiving the ball as he always did, but he's using his angles a lot better, which he did against Arsenal. And the commentators keep talking about Lukaku, and he's he's so he's so strong. He wasn't using strength against Arsenal. He was receiving the ball, touching with his right foot, and playing it with his left and move. So by the time the defender tries to get settled, they can't win the ball. Yeah. So it, oh it, it, it it's interesting how the commentators didn't highlight like what he was yeah. doing tactically that made him successful. They kept talking about big and strong. It wasn't it wasn't so much of him big and strong. It was like Kovacic and Georgina will play him the ball to his right foot and he will lay it off with his left and then he can cut. Yeah, but it was it was almost a one eighty turn though, and while he's turning, he's turning the other guy behind him with correct. Him. Correct. No, yeah. no, but but see this is technical mm. stuff. Right. He didn't he didn't have the feet to pull this off before Conte. Mm-hmm. And and he he said this straight up. He said right. Antonio Conte every day mm. would line me up with Ranocchia, who's a big dude. Mm-hmm. He's he's taller than uh, Lukaku, and he would 
ping the ball into Lukaku's feet and make him hold off Ranakia. And they did that day after day after day. And now he's what he is now. Uh, oh. it's, it's the difference between being a coach and being a manager. At this yep. level, you don't yep. anticipate that the head manager is going to stay after practice and coach a player. It just that's not uh, the expectation of a top manager. But Conte took the time, and it's actually more rare than you think. Okay. At the, at that level. I at that know. level, yeah. No, the, the manager's so, not. Matt, dude, I, Sir Alex Ferguson attended like thirty percent of the training sessions. Yeah, but he, he was a he he was a motivator. He he's not a coach. He was a motivator. He's a no. But what I'm just saying yeah. is that like. There's a difference between being a manager and being a coach. And after Antonio got done being manager, okay, right. he took the time out was a fucking coach to this guy, and this guy eventually became MVP. So it's it is it is quite a testament to Antonio Conte, but uh it's also a testament to how mismanaged Inter was even before the pandemic, and they were basically forced to sell him. They nope, they did not want to, but they had to. But um, they sold him and they sold um Hakim as well. Hakimi, well, yeah. I mean, you could you can get another Hakimi. I mean, they sold it for seventy five million dollars. An outside back, come on. Yeah, yeah. but you're just <laughs> anyway, coming off a, a winning season, you know. It's true, but uh, that's an inflated price. Yeah. All right. And so if last they one. Were, if it wasn't going to be Lukaku, they were going to sell uh, Martinez, right? Yeah, yeah that's what they were expecting money. to do. All right. So the big um, Premier League point before we get to Arsenal, um, and this is something I'm sure everybody on this podcast really appreciates uh the refs are letting stuff go and on top of that the penalty kicks are much less frequent um you know soft free kicks soft pks soft everything it's hasn't been eradicated but it's considerably less and i think i can point to one player and one team as to why this rule has changed Bruno, Bruno Fernandez, and Manchester United. And but that's not true. That with hold on, and then on, let me just finish. And then on top of the the more the increased aggression within the field of play, also VAR, they're not going to call somebody off if his left nut is off sides, <laughs> but his whole body is on. It's just they're they're going to give more leeway and more margin for error on onsides versus offsides instead of being such a tight ass about you know someone's hair follicle being slightly offsides because he's got long hair. I mean, it's just ridiculous. What do you think, uh, Shane? Well, Manchester United would always get calls. Um, I was actually very disappointed this weekend yeah. watching the Manchester Wolves game. Um, the goal oh, that oh got- the foul! Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, the, and, and if you're going to give Reese James a red card and you're going to give Granit Xhaka a red card, that should be a red card. Yeah, yep. Gene Jaka did not actually touch him. Exactly, and he won the ball. So the difference is, Paul Pogba like literally almost broke the lower part of his ankle. Correct. And if you're gonna give Reese James a red because he was on the line, and that's the rule of the law, then Pogba should get a red. Yes, because because that's a that's that's a dangerous tackle. Yep. And he was not in control. And but, never as a, but as a whole, what do you think of the new oh, implementation? Oh, it's great. It's great. I yeah. It, it was needed, and yeah, and and it's it's gonna take some of the the fluky nonsense diving calls of the game. Mm-hmm. But the problem that England has with their officials 
is they suffer from main man syndrome. Uh, Mike Dean and the other ball had one. They they always oh, want to Anthony Taylor. Anthony Taylor. They always want to be the center of attention because oh, yeah. every big game they gotta do something where they want to stand out. So and and the solution to this is to get referees that's not from England. Because I made this point on a podcast maybe a year oh. or two. Every official in England grew up supporting a team. Right. They have a team their family supports. They have a team they bet on. They have the local team they go and watch during the week. So all these factors combined create bias. They're going to have that bias. Yeah. So to eradicate that, you need to have some people who are not from there to officiate these games. Because there's too much betting involved and, and the betting directly affects the decisions referees like Mike Dean and Anthony Taylor makes. And no one can tell me different. Paul? Well, the product has much improved because of the more of the no cost. Definitely. Paul, listen to this. Because I actually brought this game to St. Mike's. And for everybody that's listening, that's the alma mater of all three of us. Uh, I brought a game called Winning 11-7 my freshman year. And we would all play it. Andrew, Pat Larkin, everybody. And on the... <laughs> oh, my God. On the cover of the fucking video game is Italian referee Pierluigi Colina. Top referee. It Top. is not a footballer. It is a ref. But he was... So these guys... These guys, <laughs> they are about themselves. Yep. They think they're bigger than the game. They want to be a part of the game. If Mark Clattenburg had a game where he wasn't mentioned at least 20 times by the announcer, then he would have thought he had a bad game. Yeah. It's just, it's just ridiculous logic. But, uh, yeah, I just wanted to share that. Yeah. Pierluigi Colleen is on the cover of a football video game he's not a player uh okay <laughs> all right so shane brought a man uh, the light of your life arsenal football club owned by the irrepressible Cronky family my first question to you is this you and all your aftvers your detractors your arsenal haters you cannot blame the board when you spend so much, but there think... is hold on, there is a difference <laughs> between spending high mm-hmm. and spending well. Elaborate. All right. So the first thing is the only person who kept blaming the board was that fool um, DT who kept saying it's the board is the board, and that's it's people who don't. Ruby, and that's people food. who don't. The 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 problem with Arsenal with the board is the management is not appointed qualified, competent individuals to conduct the business of the club. Mm-hmm. When you look at other clubs like Chelsea, Liverpool, West Ham, Wolves, Tottenham, and the way they ran, they ran better than Arsenal. Arsenal have a lot of amateurs doing the job. That's the problem. And the reason for this is an unlike Roman Abramovich loves to win. So he's going to make sure his team is in a winning position. Fenway Sports Group doesn't want to waste any money. So they're going to make sure they buy the right player at the right profile at the right price, yeah, so that they can win. There's Arsenal money ball with that is they're not like they really they want to buy a high upside, exactly low priced but a value buy. Correct. 
Arsenal has owners who are not really interested and they don't really understand the game. Yeah. So, what, so when you have absentee owners, these things happen. So people who say it's the board, the, the, their argument is flawed and is not taken further enough where they should say it's not the board, it's the absentee owners combined with incompetent individuals, right? Now, the spending high versus spending well. I have absolutely no problem with Arsenal spending $140 million in this You track. shouldn't, by the way. You shouldn't. And, and you anyone, shouldn't have any problem with that. And, and anyone who has a problem with that or laughs will be like, oh, you spent so much. One, Arsenal hasn't spent that much throughout the years. And two, Arsenal needed to address those areas. Yeah. But let's start with a goalkeeper. By signing Aaron Ramsdale, it gives us a goalkeeper who likes England, who wants to stay in England, who can pass out of the back, who's a good shot stopper, who can command corners, who can command his box, and who's not afraid to throw himself about. Bern Leno is a good goalkeeper. However, he keeps wanting to go back to Germany, having issues here and there. So by signing Ramsdale, you eliminate a lot of those problems. Yep. Why, next did, year, why, if, did, if, you guys, why did you guys sell uh, your Martinez? other... Yeah, to Villa. He's a good goalie. Yeah, he is a good goalie who took 10 years to come good. Yeah, that's fair. He took 10 years to come good and you get $20 million. So you get rid of him. He's another one too who's 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 insufferable right now. He's he's getting annoying. Every interview is like, I was at Arsenal for 10 years. <laughs> you, were not, you were not good. Like, you came good one year. And that one year we had Leno. And we, Shane, we're gonna, he's a late blossoming flower. And <laughs> I wish him all the, all the best. We got $20 million for him. Go to Villa, be the number one. God bless you. But you can stop talking about Arsenal now. (laughs) Spending high versus spending well. Of that $140 million, $50 million was attributable to Ben White. Again, I have no problem paying $50 million for Ben White. I would have paid $50 million for Ben White. We need Ben White. He had four years left on his contract. He's a homegrown player. He counts against the English quarter. He's the right profile. Great signing. Yes. Then after that, Arsenal signed the left back Tavares from Benfica for $15 million. It could rise to about $17, $18 million. He's strong, fast, very raw, and he can score goals. He's also an excellent crosser. And he's young. Again, it's going to take him four or five years to reach his levels. But at that point, you can either sell him or you can, you, you can sell him to recoup, which is going to be probably double what we pay for him. And he gives us coverage for Tierney, who's always injured. Now, the best signing of the window is Lokonga. Lokonga is Belgian, came through Anderlecht. Is he number 28? No, 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 no. I think he is... I think he's... Tavares is 20. And... Is this your center mid? It's it's yeah. awesome. Your center mid? He's black, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah he's yeah, fucking yeah. great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I and, think he uh, is a fantastic I, think, I, I didn't know his full name and I didn't know 20, his number. 23. That's 20. it. That's it. That yep, Shane, that's the one. Yeah, he is really good. He's really and, good. And and if if you do the eye test, he's always on his toes. Mm-hmm. He receives the ball with his body open, heads yep. up football. He, he's gonna be good in the future. And again, I like Brother God. Brother God, I'm not a fan of Brother God, but I understand why he was bought. He's neat on the ball, he can pick a pass, he got upside. And he's and he's the only player Arsenal could get in that position for that price. If if we wanted James Madison, it would have been seventy million dollars. And I don't <laughs> think, and I, and I don't think James Madison is worth seventy million dollars. No. Well, so 
so signing Odegaard for me was a better signing than Madison, especially when you got Emma Smith Rowe. Hmm. No who, question. Who? Uh huh. Brodegaard's got the profile. Correct. Correct. Madrid. So- that that Correct. looks good for the rest of the team. You can't and Paul stand. talk to me about talk to me about Smith Rowe, Paul, because I know that you and I have spoken about him before and before Shane speaks on him, I have to say I really like the player. Yeah. And I uh, think in two years he'll be better than James Madison anyway. And Lester always throws on twenty million just for kicks anyway. Yep. He was never ever worth that. They tried to pawn him on us last year and we said no you're never going to be as good as mason mount and you're older but yeah i, I think smith rowe is going to be better than madison in two years anyway so it was a totally uh no-brainer decision to extend him make him your guy and all that jazz what do you think paul no i mean he, just watching him play he's he he takes the game by the scruff of the neck and he drives the ball forward not every player can do that you know and it's important to have especially for a young team like Arsenal, it seems like they're giving Arteta the support and allowing him to flip the roster and try to build something there. Now Smith throws number 10. He's right in the middle of all of it. You're building around him. So at least that's something, you know, that's something good to build on right there. Yeah, and signing Odegaard helps Smith Rowe. Yes. Because Smith Rowe is not a true 10. He's a floater. So signing Odegaard gives him the flexibility to move around the pitch because as Paul highlighted, that's what he's good at, picking up the ball and running with it. And as as soon as he understands to not drop so deep because he needs to be picking the ball up right outside the 18-yard box, mm-hmm. that's where he's dangerous. So as soon as the team gets better and we can play a higher line, he's going to be more dangerous. But Smithrow has tremendous upside. He manages in, his injuries well. He's been in the gym you can see he's in shape. He has good touches. Once he starts adding six to seven goals each year, he'll he, 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 he be much, much better than James Madison. Because Madison hardly scores as well. Yeah. He's streaky. Yeah, very he's also, streaky. He's also so injured all the time, man. Yep, yep. He, he, I think he had a hip problem. Ah, uh, Shane, that's such a red flag. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That because, injury? Oh, man, dude, that's all the depot Isaiah Thomas shit. Yep. Nah, he, <laughs> he likes the party. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that too. Could that too. Yeah, it's an interesting way for him to party too. I'll just tell you. I'll just leave it at that. Um, all right. So, are you thinking that more players are going to leave, perhaps in January? Now, one in particular. Uh, uh no, is no. Aubameyang. No, no, no. Aubameyang's not good anyway. Listen, the whole the whole Aubameyang thing makes me laugh, right? And hold and, on, hold on. Mm-hmm. Is the criticism or speculation unfounded, or has he given outsiders looking in a reason to question his overall, I would say, emotional commitment to the club? No, I think I, I, I think when you're looking for narratives, Aubameyang is an easy target because let's face it, he's a flashy guy, he likes to go out, but if you look at the facts. Aubameyang has had a hard year personally. Um, his mom was sick. He took a leave of absence. Ah. Malaria. And then he got COVID at the beginning of the season. And I remember when it was announced that Lacazette and Aubameyang is out, every media outlet was like, oh, there's a rift with Arteta. 
and and all this nonsense, right? No, I'm not an Arteta guy, but Arteta is not stupid. There is no way he's going to bench Aubameyang and Lacazette, will leave them out of the side to play Balagon and Mart and uh, Martinelli up front. There's no way he's going to do that because as we saw in the first game against Bradford, the level of Aubameyang and Mart and Lacazette compared to Martinelli. And Balgon is as big as North America to the Caribbean. <laughs> those, those guys are, are talents, but they cannot lead the line. So the Aubameyang speculation also is English media narrative and, again, Arsenal being an easy target. As Carl said earlier, a lot of these people just want clicks. Mm-hmm. The fact that Aubameyang is, a, is the highest paid player at the club and everyone knows that, it's an easy target to pick. And the fact that he's cool with troops and other people in the new media, they, they they don't like that. So they're going to pick at him every chance they get. Why would you leave Arsenal and go to Juventus? Juventus don't pay. They play a slow style of soccer. He's not going to fit in there. If Aubameyang leaves Arsenal, he's probably going to go back to Germany or he's going to go to France. I'll tell you why he would do it, though. Juventus? Yeah. Okay. I'm, I'm I'm interested to hear this. Background noise, gentlemen. Just a heads up. Trophies. When was the last trophy event this won? Last I year. Mean, they yeah they won they won a cup last year. I mean uh, they won the league in the reach. Sorry. Yeah, I mean in, Inter year. Inter won the league last year. Right in, in the year 2020. Yeah, that was last year. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah, but they, and I'm not talking about a Scudetto, you know what I mean? The Scudetto is at the FA Cup. Right. Like, like the three uh, teams says the kings of the FA Cup, Arsenal. <laughs> but if, if, if he leaves, if he leaves, he probably go to Madrid or an actual big club. I, I can't see him going to Juventus. Yeah. They, they, don't, I, they, they don't sign players like Aubameyang. By I the mean, way, you know where he should have gone? PSG. Uh-huh. PSG. Lacazette. I could see Juventus signing Lacazette. I mean, any. No, I was any, talking about Aubameyang. Both, both of those guys, they both have some goals left in their boots. There's no question yeah, about it. Anybody, anybody would be dumb not to take them on. But it's tight. Juventus play doesn't play to Aubameyang's strength. No, 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 I, I agree. They would take them. I, I'm just saying, like, I mean, what you'd have to pay to get Arsenal to give them up. It would be hard to justify right now. He's not. He he's not leaving. If if Arteta messes up this year, I can see him leaving. He's not leaving right now. No chance. No chance. All right. Here's here's another question. Mm-hmm. Last one, probably. Um, is Arteta gonna get a fair shot at rebuilding slash building his project? We're already oh. hearing rumors. Big Sammy, <laughs> Antonio Conte. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> so Arteta has won the lotto. He really has. Because uh, <laughs> I don't know about that. He has. He, he has won the lotto. Any other coach would have been fired already. Arsenal. Chelsea, yeah. <laughs> Ars- Arsenal came eighth last year, and in that in that eighth place position was some very disappointing results. Most importantly. Arsenal cannot create a chance for, for, for the life of God. I, I don't understand why. And here's the thing, right? I know Arteta's just trying to impose his Pep Guardiola style mm-hmm. and all that, but I think he's trying too hard. You got to coach with the players you have. 
Yes. And and, and that's and that's where he's feeling himself. So yep. for example, Arsenal was at their best when they play a tyranny at the left center back and Inzi Maitland-Nice played at the left inverted wing back. That's when they were at their best. Or when Maitland-Nice played with Pepe. Because every time Pepe gets the ball, Pepe has to be three or four players. In addition to that, the fact that only Pepe, Aubameyang, and Lacazette can actually score for Arsenal, there are no goal threats. So teams can easily mark Arsenal out of games. What Arteta has done with his predictable pass on the back play is he's made Arsenal slower, and when you only have three goal threats, it's easy to defend. So, and 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 on top of that, he he saw players like like Quendouzi, right? Now Quendouzi has problems, but Quendouzi can actually get around the pitch, and he shows passion, and he can get people where I love. Now I know that's not Arteta's cup of tea, but you're not gonna have eleven players that you absolutely adore. They're going to be players who's going to get in your nerves. It's going to be players who's going to do things you don't like. And I think he got to move away from this obsession of, of being like Pep or else he's going to get fired. Because look at Arsenal games against Brentford. you telling me Arsenal should be losing to a newly promoted team in that manner? No. Regardless of the COVID complication. That should not happen. That's oh, like, that, you guys have better 11. Players than that, 11 that, yeah, there's no way. And if a coach cannot motivate his players and get his players up for the first game of the season, then something is fundamentally wrong. All right. So, Shane, this is this is the problem. Uh-huh. The way, in particular, that Pep plays out of the back, and you'll see his two center backs go to the edges of the, uh, of the 18, yep. on the outside edges of the 18. Yep. Uh, the defensive center mid comes to the top of the D, and the outside backs push all the way up. Okay, mm-hmm. that is a pattern. Okay, and and it's uh, you see you even see this at the youth level. This is being taught actually a lot at the youth level, mm-hmm. where every goal kick, you, no matter what, even if you're marked, you're supposed to line up that way. Okay. With now the center back being able to come into the box, um, which is a new rule over the last I think you know eighteen months or so, mm-hmm. uh, you know. You now have a little bit of time to be able to pick, figure out your pattern. If the defensive center mid is not on, you can hit the attacking mid, or you can play it out wide to you know one of your wingbacks. So you bring it back to the goalkeeper. He resets, and there is a pattern with an A, B, C, or D option for each pass and each consecutive pass beyond that. Right. There is four options for what you're supposed to do after you make the first pass from the goalkeeper to whomever is open. Okay. Mm-hmm. The problem is that with that pattern. You also have to have players that can do it, especially under pressure. If you don't have that, then there is no use of speaking about tactics and patterns. If you don't have the technique and not only the technique, but the poise to do it under pressure, then you shouldn't do it at all. You should just hit a longer ball to an outside back that's up the field or to, you know, one of your wings and just play longer. If you're forcing players that, are simply not capable of doing something that is very, very hard to do. And that only teams like Chelsea and Man City and to a certain extent Real Madrid can do out of the back, then you you will lose. If you you if you are forcing players that are not comfortable doing this, you're gonna lose the ball and you're gonna lose games. And Arteta needs to get off this pep shit because Pep can only do pep shit because he's got pep players and pep money. Yeah, but you don't have pep players, pep shit. 
and uh, pep players pep. and pep money, you can't fucking do pep shit. But, but that's that's not that's not even true because, for example, let's use. Oh, it's one hundred percent true. That's, that's, if you don't have the personnel, you can't fucking play not, like the I'm, guy that does have the personnel. He's not, but he doesn't do it consistently because he has players like Riyad Mahrez, Bernardo Silva, who beat people one and one and creates right. So right. it's. It's make believe when you look at Chelsea, right? You have a player like Havertz. You give Havertz the ball, he will make something happen and create space. All this pattern of play is making it too complicated. Players should be free to express themselves. I'm, I'm just talking about goal. Yeah, 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 I understand. I'm just talking about goal. But, I'm, but I'm, I'm saying in general, when you look at oh, Man City yeah, yeah, play, like they, they get space by Mares or Kyle Walker making a, a run and outpacing someone or something. Uh-huh. Yeah, but yeah, I, but that's what the money's for, dude. That's what yeah, you pay yeah, players yeah. like. I was simply let let's be clear to everybody that's participating in this podcast and everybody that's listening. I was simply talking about the instance of goal kicks, right? Um, and yeah, and here's the thing, too, right? When you play that style, you expose players like Xhaka. Yes, because when you look at Xhaka in the Euros and Xhaka for Arsenal, it's two completely different players. Hmm. Uh, he was pretty good in the Euros. Yep, Beca- because he has the freedom to express himself. He's not being told occupy the left space. Let keep let Tierney push up. Like right. it's, it's like it's like it's like it's, it's like robotics. It's like if I'm watching like a what, what you call that thing where they do where they the, uh, it's like a puppet show. You just yeah. put it like a puppet show. It's, it's really, marionettes. Yeah, and, and and I this whole pep thing and all that that's fine. When Arsenal had Arsene Wenger. We had mediocre players. We had Sakulani. We had Philip Senderos. We had Johan de Giroux. And Arsenal didn't look that bad. You play the ball one touch. You give the ball to your best players. You let players express themselves. You get it wide and combined. Like, football is not that complicated. Yeah, It shouldn't like, be. Yeah, and, and, and when you look at a coach like Tuchel, right, and the different formation he coaches, and he coaches to make his players better, what Tusha is not obsessed with passing it from the back. He mixes it up. That's why. He, that's why he got Lukaku. Ex- yeah, exactly. We'll pass it out of the back if it's on. If it's not, who cares? No, exactly. But Ar- Arteta, I th- I think Arteta has an ego problem. <laughs> I, I, I don't. I think he only knows how to coach Pep style because that's yeah. Who he's. No, I think he has an ego problem because the whole eight, the the Maitland now situation. Yeah. Maitland, Pepe. Let let Paul finish. What do you got, Paul? The the morale at the club with with all these guys, William, Maitland, Niles, like it can't be great. I mean, I don't care about William. William's a grown man, and and I gotta give William some credit when we finish. I gotta speak about William. I gotta give him some credit. It was a grown man move. Well, no, but if you look at William, right? William is a man of God. He's a man of faith. He, and Arteta lied to him. Arteta sold William a dream, and when he got to Arsenal, it was something completely different. Th- that's why William tore his contract up. Because Arteta tried to blame William when he begged William to come. You don't, you, you, you don't do that. Like as a man, you should be able to say when you're wrong. And Arteta, in my opinion, I don't. I think he has an ego problem. Because so, if a seasoned okay. professional like him is gonna give up. And just say, you know what? Rip my contract up. I'll walk away. There's a lot more going on there. And mm-hmm. his reaction with Pepe when Pepe got that red card. Mm-hmm. His, his reaction with Maitland Niles. If you're not gonna play Maitland Niles and Wolves won it for 20 million last year, why didn't you sell him? Joe Willock scored a bunch of goals 
for Newcastle, but he can't get a run in the Arsenal team, a team that's strong in goals. Like, like so his you, you listen to the, leaves a lot to be desired. And so you listen to the uh, announcers during mm-hmm. the Arsenal Chelsea game, and I swear in the first half they must have talked about it three or four times. Or <laughs> Arteta was using a joystick, and his players were part of a video game, and he was trying to joystick every movement, every pass. Every step, Eagle. every dribble, yeah. trying to control all of his players. And then the guy's like, I don't think Tuchel has come into his office seat yet. I don't think Tuchel's walked into his coaching box yet. I don't think Tuchel said a fucking word. And they were right. Because everything that we're trying to do, it's within the context that, yes, there's some rigidity, but there's also freedom within the rigidity. Yeah. It's more of an outline than this, like, than a, a piece of paper with 50,000 rules. Yeah. Ah, Tuchel's got a concept. He's got an outline. But within that outline, there's a lot of freedom. And then with Arteta, he is so concerned about every single thing oh, yeah. that, dude, when, when you're a player and you're, fuck, and you're being... Every single move that you're trying to make is being dictated by the manager. I'm sorry. It, it mentally takes you out of it. It will mentally distract you and take you out of what's actually going on on the field because in the back of your ear is the goddamn coach. Correct. I have the perfect. I have the perfect analogy. Yeah. Our, our just coaching as if there's there's live wire around the field, and if you step outside, <laughs> you get electrocuted. That's exactly. Oh, we, we y'all want to win? Bring Big Sam in. Let him spin. Nah, can, the, the, the can coaches. you imagine? Arsenal nah, conferences would be the fucking funniest thing you've ever heard in your life. I Arsenal love Big Sam. Arsenal would never hire Big Sam. You, you know what? Light then you'd be wrong. Room on fire. But but the but pe- people keep talking about like light locker room on fire, right? Like, let's be honest. No, you have column chambers and Rob Holding. Who? Column chambers. Who? Pablo Murray. Yeah. So no, I I will play Pablo Murray before I play column chambers and and Rob Holding. I will play Pablo Murray. Because Pablo Murray is slow, but you know what you get with him. Yeah. You're gonna get consistent defending. With with those two, you never know. Yeah. But the, the problem with, with Arteta and his coaching is that the basics are missing, the fundamentals are missing. He's so obsessed with this playing out the back that we're not jumping for heathers. We're not man marking. There's no one on the line. There's no communication. It's all these patterns of play nonsense. Yeah. And okay. and and he played Bukayo Saka when he was not fit. Like, he clearly not match fit. Yeah, no, he, he did not look like himself. How, how do you feel about Antonio Conte? Uh, no, he's not going to come to Arsenal. He just like, won't come. You guys won't spend the money. He won't, Arsenal won't spend the money. Arsenal bored and him are going to be – he probably lasts 24 hours at, at Seriously. <laughs> yeah. No, he, would I, say, he would say, I want a $12 million a year contract. And I want $150 million to spend on players between yep. the ages but, of 29 and 35. The, <laughs> the, 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 the truth is with Arsenal is they have to stick with Arteta. And they have to stick with Arteta because they've committed to this plan. Yep. They, they, they they've committed now. to this plan, so, so they have to stick with him. The, the other thing, too, is the Arsenal fan base is a joke. I, I spent like two hours yesterday arguing with someone who, who's telling me, Robbie and Arsenal fan TV is to be blamed for the negativity surrounding the club. 
No, you you have a team that haven't won the 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 Premier League for what, seventeen years. Seventeen years. And seventeen counting. years, right? And <laughs> and also a team that was started four or five years ago is to be blamed. I think they started because they saw an opportunity to make a lot of money on negativity. No, 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 no. Oh, no, yes, I truly no, no. believe that. I, I don't I, give a fuck. I do I, not give a fuck how many I times think, Robbie think, goes on to talk sport no, 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 and I, says otherwise when you no, know he has benefited from bringing people like Ty. Black Lives Matter. Ty's positive. Thank Ty's you positive. to the NHS workers and to Ty's the teachers positive. and to all of the positive. fucking garbage men and fucking everybody in between. Thank you to my mom. Thank you to my dad. Get out of here. Carl, Carl. The guy's I, just rolling. I, All these guys are negative goals. No, no, no. Ty's not negative. I think the... the, the oh, yes, issue, he is. The issue those Arsenal fans have is because Robbie came up with an idea and is making a shit ton of money and they didn't come up with the idea. That's all it is. But YouTube is free and you can buy a camera and a mic. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. So, you know what's like, not free? All oh, the Manscaped ads that play before every single yeah, video. Yeah. Nah, but, but but let's be honest. A- a- anyone who says Arsenal fan TV is to be blamed are just pocket watching and looking at the amount of money. No, right? it's no. I I kid, no. Shane. Obviously, this is no. the fish heads. The dude, the fish rots from the head down. Carl, Carl, Sky Sports, right, is the biggest troll in football. Gary Neville, who was a coach for less than three months, <laughs> on Sky Sports today and says, <laughs> "I don't know what Arsenal transfer strategy is. I don't know." The little auto place, dude. How can you not know when all the players Arsenal signed under twenty three? Isn't that a clear strategy? It is. And, and you, you, you could argue that you don't think the players are of the right caliber. That's a different argument. But to go and say you don't know the strategy, you just, you, you just trying to spread propaganda, make shit up just to get headlines. Like, everyone knows what the strategy is. Shane, when people say those things, it's during times of negativity. And what does that even mean? Oh, I don't know what the strategy is of Arsenal. Dude, that's but, a blanketed... Hold on, let me finish. That is a blanketed, vague statement. Mm-hmm. That is an obtuse statement. He's not committing to anything in particular. He's just saying, I don't know what their strategy is. What do you guys think? Let's talk about it. Okay, he's not committing to any particular thing that he doesn't like about your club. He is making a generalized criticism without marrying himself to anything specific because he doesn't actually know the specifics. And that's why fan channels are taking over. Because we got to wrap it yeah, up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but let, let me just finish my fan channel point. That's okay. why fan channels are taking over. Because fans will give you a much more insight than Gary Neville. They would actually explain to you, like we did tonight, what's Chelsea's strategy? How are they able to generate so much money from player sales? Mm-hmm. So, so, so the, 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 the hate, the jealousy and all that, and, and, and the constant gaslighting from Sky Sports and others is because they're losing territory. Mm-hmm. Okay, so the last two things I'll say. Number one, to anybody that doesn't know what gaslighting is and the fact that it's been appropriated by every single uh, millennial this side of the fucking Mississippi, I will simply say that gaslighting is one person makes another person feel crazy and makes them feel responsible for something that's going on that's really not going on. It's just essentially one person confusing another into thinking they're wrong. That's what gaslighting really is. Um, On top of that, I will say this. This has been very interesting. 
Paul, do you have any final thoughts? Villa, then Zenit. Zenit. Hey, it's the Russians with their borscht. Oh, their... That's Champions League, big boy. Yeah, that's exactly right, baby. That is exactly right. St. Petersburg, cannot... here we come. I cannot relate to Champions League stuff. No, you can't. You can't even relate to Europa. Uh, what is it? Conference Out of yeah. conference, conference, NIT play? Uh, yeah. <laughs> My God, you guys are like the St. John's basketball team of EPL. It's insane. You guys were really good 30 years ago. Um, <laughs> Chris Mullins, shout out your boy. So the last it. thing I will say is this, and mm. this is the one thing that has characterized the last 20 years of Arsenal and has characterized the last 20 years of Chelsea. 15. And it's one thing, and it's four words. It's the board, Robbie. Have a good day, y'all. I'm Carlito, and this is London is Calling. Peace. Good stuff, Shane. Uh, you too, G.